We are continuing to delve into the topic of wisdom today. Um, last week, if you weren't here, Derek Brandau uh, brought a great message on the wisdom of vulnerability. If you didn't hear that, please check it out online. It was so good. This week is all about zombified souls and fountains of life, okay? Let's first of all take a look at zombified souls, but before I do, I want to say this to all of us. Every single one of us in this room, and you have to admit it to yourself, is gifted at wasting time. All of us are. Let's just tell the truth about ourselves. We all can get up on a Saturday morning, piddle around, piddle around, piddle around, and before we know it, it's noon, and we haven't done anything of value with our day yet. We probably haven't even brushed our teeth, okay? We can do that. Nobody has to teach us how to waste time. It's just a gift that comes naturally. I, I ran across a few epic time-wasting things in the last few weeks that are a great example of this. The first one happened a few weeks ago. Um, for those of you that aren't sports fans, the New Orleans Saints, who I'm not a fan of necessarily, I'm a Raider fan, okay, but they didn't get to play in the Super Bowl because of a botched call that allowed the Los Angeles Rams to make it to the Super Bowl. Right after that, some lawyers in the New Orleans area took it upon themselves to file suits in court to try to sue the NFL to get the call changed in the game. That is an epic waste of not just their time, but the court's time and the judge's time as well. Are you kidding me? Are you going to sue somebody because you lost at checkers to them the week after that? It was ridiculous. Another one is what I call social media snipers. Some people seem to have nothing better than, than to do with their time than to wake up in the morning, probably in their mom's basement, okay, and get up and think of hurtful, mean-spirited things they can post on various social media accounts. That is an epic waste of time, all right? Let's look at what Lady Wisdom, and by the way, when I talk about wisdom, I refer to her as Lady Wisdom because in the wisdom um, writings in the Scripture, wisdom is often personified as as a woman, which every woman would go, well, of course it is, okay? But um, just so you don't get rather big heads, ladies, in the wisdom writings, um, fools are often personified as um, women too, okay? Just throwing that out there, okay? So there's a little balance there. But let's look at what Lady Wisdom says about this, and you'll see in a moment what it has to do with wasting times and zombified souls. Let's read out of, um, this is out of Proverbs chapter 8, verse 35 and 36, For those who find me, this is wisdom talking, for those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. What an interesting couple of scripture verses that is. Now in the wisdom writings, you have to understand something. Death and life are dealt with in a very unusual way. There are numerous verses in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes that warn us away from certain activities. Activities and behaviors that would be destructive to either us or all of the people around us. Okay, Activities that would put our lives on a path that would be far less than optimal. Being on that path is a death of sorts, while being on the path that wisdom calls us onto is to truly live. You see, a person, and we know this to be true, a person can be wasting away physically. They can be on their deathbed about to take their last breath and yet be bursting with life and vitality. Have you ever run across that? As a pastor, I have. I've talked to people that were so fully alive that died later that day. 
okay? They were just bursting with vitality. And other people are walking around. They're talking, shouting, laughing. They're very busy. They're working. And yet on the inside, they're dying in a variety of ways. They're a member of the walking dead experiencing what I call a zombification of the soul. And we can all tell when our soul is starting to zombify, okay? We can all tell when that happens because you'll walk through your day having this deep sense of emptiness and discontentment no matter how busy you are. And the thought that keeps running around in your head, replaying over and over, is this. Is this it? Is this all there is to my life? That thought comes over and over. That's when your soul's starting to zombify. Remember, wisdom isn't about IQ. Wisdom isn't about being smart. Some really smart people have no wisdom at all. Wisdom is about being alive, fully alive. It's about getting off the path that takes us to a life that's full of meaningless and destructive endeavors and behavior that waste our life, and instead getting on the path that leads us to participate in things that make us fully alive, that make our our minds hum and our hearts beat. Wisdom always says change, grow, and expand. Don't just live. Live for something else. Live for something that's bigger than yourself. Some people never do this. They never change and grow and expand. They just waste their life because they get stuck. I don't know if any of you have gone to your high school reunion. Some of you are too young. Some of you are barely out of high school, okay? I went to only one. I went to my 10-year reunion, and I'm never going to another one, okay, for several reasons. First of all, I had very fond memories of some of these people 10 years ago, which now over 20 years ago. And then they came to the reunion, and I go, you've changed not for the better, okay? But some people got stuck, which for me, I graduated in 1981. They got stuck in 1981. They still look like, and this was 10 years later, they still looked like, acted like, talked like, and laughed like they did 10 years before, and they have the mullets and the Trans Ams and the Van Halen CDs to prove it, okay? They're stuck. They were stuck in 1981, Wisdom screams at us, don't ever get stuck. Don't stagnate. Don't just sit there and waste your day. Instead, and don't let your soul zombify, but really live. Follow me, according to these verses, and really live. There's a holiday that helps us to do that, and it's coming up in March. And you're thinking, what holiday is there in March? It's not a well-known one. It's called Ash Wednesdays, and in certain faith traditions, it's celebrated every year. In the history of my time in our denomination over 30 years, we've never celebrated Ash Wednesday till this year we're actually going to do it. I can't wait. I'm so excited for this. If you're not familiar with Ash Wednesday, oh gosh, it's going to be so good. This is going to be like, oh, it's, it's so unusual. Ash Wednesday is when you come to a church, and I'll be out there in the foyer, okay, and you come and you get a cross smudged on your forehead with ash. So it's, it's ash in the form of a cross, which is so humbling because you wear it there all day long, all day long, at work, at school, wherever, okay? And it starts a lot of great conversation. Hey, you got something there? Yes, I do. It's a cross of ash. Why is that on your head? Boom, you get to share about that. Oh, so great. Now, Ash Wednesday reminds people of their impending death. Sounds great, huh? Can't wait. But it also reminds you of your impending resurrection. So it gets you all jacked up to celebrate Easter, which comes about a month later. It falls on March 6th this year, okay? And there's something powerful that happens when that cross is smudged on your forehead. You're face-to-face with your own mortality, 
Now, some of you that are older than 25, you know, you're facing your own mortality already. <laughs> that didn't sound right, okay? But we're all going to die, okay? That's just the fact of the truth. That's the truth of Ash Wednesday. You're face-to-face with your own mortality, and you become hyper-aware that every breath you take on this planet is a God-given gift to you, and you shouldn't waste a single one of them. Lady Wisdom, I'm convinced, loves Ash Wednesday because Ash Wednesday is a day when people don't stagnate. It's a day when people don't waste their time and their breaths. It's a day when they become fully alive, okay? That's the beauty of Ash Wednesday, all right? So this Ash Wednesday, March 6th, save the date. Come, I'll be out in the foyer with a bucket of ash, and you just come in. It'll take me just a couple of seconds, and you wear that cross all day. Sound good? Okay. Jesus is a great example of somebody who didn't waste any breaths. He refused to have a zombified soul, and he lived a very full life, and he did that by saying no to things he knew would waste his time. There's a great story in Luke chapter 12, and we don't have time to read it today, but you can read it on your own. And this, this young man comes up to Jesus and knew he was wise, which he was right, And he says to Jesus, Jesus, can you help me settle the argument I'm having with my brother about who gets what in the inheritance that we just received? Because evidently his father passed away and they got an inheritance. And Jesus, the perfect embodiment of all that is good and holy and loving and kind and patient, looks at him and says, man... He says that, and you can tell the exasperation. Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator between the two of you? In other words, look, I've got better things to do than to mediate an argument you're having with your brother that's based solely on your pettiness, selfishness, and greed. He refused to waste his time on that. Some of us are involved in things right now that are wasting the wild and precious life we've been given. Listen to the voice of wisdom as it leads you onto a better path. And trust me, Lady Wisdom will let you know what you need to get rid of in your life, what's wasting your time. You're probably thinking of that right now. And it isn't necessarily something evil. Maybe it is, but maybe it's actually something good, but it's just not for you right now, and it's wasting your life. There's a book out there right now, and I told you I'm reading the parody of it that has a a pretty bad title. It's R-rated. But there's a book right now called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And in it, the author has this exercise. If you struggle to tidy up, it can free your life up to be more tidy. And she says, a good place to start is dump all your socks out of your sock drawer. Okay, which when you do that, you'll instantly realize, oh man, I didn't, I haven't been looking for that pair for like four months now. Okay, that's what'll happen. But she goes, actually pick up your socks and hold them in your hand and, and feel them, touch them, look at them, and then say, is this sparking joy for me? And if it doesn't spark joy, you get rid of it, right? That would be a problem for me because I got to be honest with you, socks don't spark joy for me, okay? I don't own a single pair of socks that I would get up and go, ooh, this sparks joy, I'll keep them. I would be sockless. Underwear doesn't spark joy for me either. That would be a problem too. Shoes do. I could look at my shoe and go, oh, I love my Chuck Taylors. I'm keeping these, okay? That sparks joy. But it's an interesting exercise and it helps you tidy up. A very good exercise for all of us is to Take a hold of, not physically, we won't be able to, but in our minds, take a hold of every endeavor, every activity, even every relationship we're participating in, and look at it and examine it and say, is this sparking life for me, 
or is it wasting life for me? And if the answer is honestly, it's wasting life for me, then you need to cut that out of your life. Don't waste your time. That will zombify your soul. Be about what Lady Wisdom is calling you to so you can become fully alive. Now let's look at fountains of life. This is out of Proverbs chapter 10, verse 6 and 11. Let's look at these. Blessings crown the head of the righteous, but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. And some of your translations will say, your mouth is a dark cave of abuse. Okay, wow. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. A common technique in the wisdom writings is to compare two things that are polar opposites for the sake of contrast to make a point. For example, if I told you there's a basketball player named Boban and he's tall, that would have no impact to you. But if I compare Boban with a normal-sized person, you would see how tall he was. I'll show you a picture of Boban. This is Christian Chenoweth, the actress, standing next to him wearing high heels. Okay, that's how tall Boban is. So now you look at it when I say Boban is tall, you go, yes, he is. In fact, he can dunk without leaving the ground. Okay, that's how tall he is. Okay, you can move on, Patrick, from that. In the verses we just read, a person who follows the voice of Lady Wisdom is said to be a person who will wear a crown of blessing on their head and their mouth, their words will be a fountain of life. Whereas people who, in contrast, who don't listen to Lady Wisdom, they will have a life full of violence. Specifically, they'll have a mouth full of violence. It's a stark contrast. Let's focus on that word that's repeated in these two verses, violence. We tend to think most of the time as violence being physical. When you bite, claw, scratch, gouge, punch, kick, and attack somebody, that's violence, right? Well, yeah, it is, and it's been a problem in the world since the beginning of time. Even some animals are violent. Have you watched the documentary about chimpanzees? A little tangent here. They are violent, awful creatures, okay? They commit murders in their little clans or groups or gangs. I don't, what do you call a group of chimps? A what? A group? I, I don't know. We should know, okay? But at any rate, they're violent, okay? So it's even animals. But Lady Wisdom shows us something interesting here. She shows us that violence also comes in the form of words, which most of us know. We realize that. There are times when I actually think to myself, the, the violence that's been done to me by words is in some ways worse than the violence that's been done to me physically because at least people who hit me with their fists, they have to show up. They have to look at me. They have to see me. They have to look me in the eyes. Whereas people that have hurt me with their words, they can do that either anonymously, which has happened recently to me, or at least from a distance. So they can't see the pain their words are causing in my life, so they heap it on and on and on and on. So now when that happens, you not only feel hurt through their words, but you feel dehumanized too because it dawns on you this person who's hurting me doesn't even care enough about me to deliver their pain in person. But ultimately, both physical and verbal violence are both bad. It's like choosing, do I want to die by being mauled by a bear or eaten by piranhas? You know, it's a lose-lose situation. I think of words as being like bricks. Bricks can be used for beautiful purposes, to build buildings and houses or backyard barbecues, but you don't think of a brick as something beautiful if someone drops one on your pinky toe or throws one at you, okay? Because bricks have substance, they have weight, so do words. 
In Hebrew, which is what the book of Proverbs is written in, the word for word is DVR, devar. It's also the word that's used for thing, okay? The same word in Hebrew is the word for word and for the word thing because there's a materiality to our words. Ancient mystic spiritual leaders believe you didn't speak words to people you placed your words upon them when you talked to them. They believe that when you talk to another person, you placed your words upon them, and those words hovered over them and followed them all throughout their day, either as a burden that began to crush them or as a bomb of healing that actually began to encourage and help them. Words are so powerful, and it's up to us. Will our words be a fountain of life, or will they be a tool that's used to cause pain in people's life and crush them. I want to give you a great example of how both happened in the same time and place. In 2005 in Northern Ireland, if you're a history buff like I am, you realize that that was a time when that nation was embroiled in a religious civil war between Protestants and Catholics, which is wrong on so many levels, okay? And there was so much pain and violence and death. And at this time, Pope John Paul II had just passed away. And at a very busy intersection in Northern Ireland, somebody took it upon themselves to scrawl some very hurtful graffiti on a wall. And it said this. I'll put it up on the screen. I, I bleeped it out. Where the bleep is the Pope now? Ha ha. That's what it said. Ouch. To the Catholics that would have went by this intersection. Ouch. That's a word that wounded. That's a brick that bruised people who were already in a great amount of pain. They were grieving the loss of someone very important in their life. A short while later, a group of Protestants took it upon themselves to get rid of that graffiti, and they painted over it, and they replaced it with one word. One word is all it took. Look what they wrote in place of that. Sorry. Sorry. That was a word, one word, one weighty word that brought healing and life to them. Words have weight. I realized that myself. About a week ago, I got a call from, from a friend that lives down in Southern California and going through an awful, awful time had to do with one of her, her actually her youngest son. And she has a son and a daughter. Just awful, worst nightmare scenario almost. And, and I'm talking to her, and she's just pouring out her pain and angst and hurt to me. And all of a sudden, I'm not trying to over-spiritualize it, but I knew the Lord was speaking to my heart and saying, tell her she's a great mom. And it like came out of the blue, and that's why I knew it was God and not me, because I wouldn't think of something so sensitive and wonderful to say. And so I knew it was God. And so I interrupted the conversation, and I said, you're a great mom, just out of the blue to her. And as I'm speaking the words, it's hard to describe to you. I, can, I choke up a little even thinking about it. I felt the weight of them when they were coming out of my mouth. They were heavy. And I felt them go into the phone line, and I felt the impact somehow they were having on her. But it wasn't an impact to destroy or harm or hurt. It was an impact that was going to instantly encourage and heal. And as soon as I spoke them, silence on the other side of the line until all I could hear was her weeping. And I thought, oh, God knew something. She was questioning her parenting, and she needed to hear that. And it instantly healed her. Words have weight, but I got to warn you, weighty words, whether they're words that heal or harm, have a way of sneaking up on us. 
Words that harm, they often sneak up on us because they come in the form of a disguise. You've probably had this happen to you. It's happened to me. It's happened to most of us. Someone will come up and say, oh, Tim, you are such a great person, but... And then right after that word, but, they go on to describe all the reasons why I'm not a great person, okay? They say mean-spirited, hurtful, rude things to me. And you realize, oh my gosh, they're actually saying something harsh. They're, they're dropping a brick on me that's harming me, but it was disguised as a compliment at first. It's what I refer to before in sermons as a chocolate-covered turd. It looks great at first, but upon further examination, not so much, okay? That's what happens there. Harsh words also sneak up on us because sometimes they come from very unexpected places. I'm a movie buff, and um, I watch a lot of movies about medieval times, and medieval times appeal to me. I think I would have liked to live in medieval England. I don't know why, because really it wasn't that great a time. The food was all rotten. The, The roads were muddy. Leaders were corrupt. Almost every leader was corrupt. Body odor was rampant. Hardly anybody bathed. And you're probably going to die of a plague of some sort at a very young age. It doesn't seem like that great of a time. But I liked it because the bar was so low. People didn't expect that much in medieval times. I'm 30. I made it. Yay. Okay. The bar was actually pretty low. I didn't get the plague this year. What do you know? That kind of thing. And it's the same with words. Some people you just don't really expect that much from, do you? It's like living in medieval times. The bar is pretty low. They come into a room. I have people like this. They come into a room, and I just kind of figure they're going to say something mean or rude or biting or try to eviscerate me in some way. And sure enough, they say something rude to me, and I think, wow, that hurt, but not too much because I saw it coming. And like a good person in medieval times, I have a shield, okay? And I shielded myself from the blow. But when a trusted friend or maybe family member tosses some verbal brick at you, it has tremendous impact. It cuts to the bone and takes so much longer to heal because you never saw it coming. Words can sneak up on you. But here's the good news. I don't want to leave you on a bummer note like that. Words that heal and help and encourage and love also have a way of sneaking up on us. A few years ago, I believe it was a middle school group of kids, there was a middle school soccer team from Japan playing a middle school soccer team from the United States. And the Japanese team was so much better, they just blew the Americans out of the water. It wasn't even close. And usually after a soccer game in middle school, you know, you go and shake hands with the other team or high five on a big old line. The Americans couldn't do it because they were crying. I mean, they got beat so bad, they were so humiliated and devastated in their first international competition, they were just bawling, okay? And the Japanese kids came over to them, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to talk trash, like, ah, we mopped the floor with you guys, oh, whatever, you know, go back to playing baseball, you know, that kind of thing, but they didn't. They walked over and they said, you were so great to play against. Wow, I bet you next year you win this game. Whoa, that was a sneak attack of kind words that those boys would have never saw coming and never forgotten. So the choice is ours. Will we use our words to harm and heal, or will we follow lady wisdom? And, and I mean, will we use our words to harm, or will we use our words to heal? And lady wisdom begs us to do the latter, even if those words sneak up on people. Now, I saved the best part of this message for the last 
If we follow Lady Wisdom into the life where we speak words that heal and give life, something super cool happens. We get a crown. Secretly, we all want a crown, don't we? You don't want to admit it, but think about it. On your tough days when you come home, on the days when you're struggling with seasonal depression and work's been a bummer and your kids are acting out, wouldn't you like to come home, change into your pajamas, and put on a crown? I mean, come on, who wouldn't like that? I remember there was a commercial back in the 80s, and I still remember it because it had to do with crowns, for imperial margarine. Remember that? They'd, these people would slather this margarine onto a piece of bread or toast and take a bite of it, and as soon as they did, they'd hear this, dun da 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 and a crown would magically appear on their, on their foreheads. And I thought to myself, I hate margarine with a white-hot hatred. It is a vile substance. I don't know why it exists. But if I knew I could get a crown, a magic crown, on my head if I ate some, I would hog some down right now, Okay. Why do we get a crown according to these verses? Is it because we're better? We're somehow elevated above other people? No, not even close. That's not what these verses are getting at. Catch this. If you don't hear anything else, this is so cool. This is what I believe these verses are getting at. It's saying, as we choose to speak words of blessing to other people, they will naturally in turn pay that back to us and speak words of blessing to us. And God will gather those words of blessing and place them over us. And we will wear those words like a crown. How cool of a crown is that? That beats the heck out of a tiara that gets put on Miss America's head, okay? It's a crown of words of blessing placed on her head. That's where Lady Wisdom's taking us. She's taking us to a place where we don't speak words that are like bricks that damage people, but we speak words of blessing that will end up coming back to us as a crown. I just think that's like the best news ever. So let's pray, okay? Could you stand with me? I actually want to pray as you're standing today. And we don't do this very often and it's flu season, but could you take hands with the person next to you? Oh my gosh, how uncomfortable are you right now? It's so good, but we are a community here, so I want to pray this over us as a group, not just as a person. Let me pray. 